It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios. Welcome, Sandy. Thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. You and you still like me or you or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You all right? <laughs> I'm a musician. I can't help it. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. Break in now with breaking news as we have learned that longtime conservative radio host Rush Limbaugh has died after a battle with stage four lung cancer. He announced his diagnosis on his show last February. And in October, he announced that attempts to treat the cancer were no longer working. He is, of course, most famous for his long running radio show, The Rush Limbaugh Show, which has been on the air nationwide since 1988. He's also written seven books, hosted a television show in the 1990s. Rush Limbaugh was 70 years old. All right, that was Harris Faulkner, and that's the way many people watching Fox got the news yesterday of the death of Rush Limbaugh. You know, many people probably listening to me have grown up listening to Rush Limbaugh, or at least started at some point. Uh, others of you, you know, know the name, and probably to you it's a caricature, like he's bombastic and... Uh, over the top and larger than life, but not in a good way. And some of your friends hate him. And so there's confusion. I guess he, he's revered by millions and millions, but he's hated by others. You should see the hashtags the left is using. I can't repeat them. Uh, celebrating the death of Rush Limbaugh. Certainly, uh, Rush has had such impact on this culture and on this country, on the political arena about what's right and what's wrong, love of the country, our heritage, our history, uh, that he... Um, He's had tremendous impact on elections themselves when Newt Gingrich and the, uh, the, uh, all those conservative congressmen were reelected in the 90s. Uh, Newt gave credit to Rush Limbaugh, and I think he was right. But I want to do a couple of things. I want to play uh, – Trace Gallagher has a great uh, uh, kind of a, a wrap-up synopsis of his life, and I want to play that. And then I have some personal comments uh, that, that I wanted to share with you. So let's listen to Trace Gallagher on Fox first. Here it is. I think people listen to the radio for three reasons. To be entertained, to be entertained, and to be entertained. And avid listeners were wildly entertained when they tuned in to Rush Limbaugh, arguably the most influential talk show host in the history of radio. You're next on the Rush Limbaugh program. His daily program, heard by an estimated 20 million listeners each day and broadcast on more than 650 affiliates, made him one of the most well-known voices for grassroots conservatives and a target of criticism by the left. But long before he was a household name, Limbaugh, calling himself Rusty Sharp, played records on local radio in Missouri. I was 16. That's when I started being a DJ. Limbaugh, a college dropout, moved to larger markets, but struggled to find acceptance for his on-air political commentary. That all changed in 1987 when the FCC repealed a law requiring equal airtime for opposing political views. That allowed stations to legally air Limbaugh's perspective without offering another opinion. Limbaugh was soon broadcasting nationwide. Rush Limbaugh with talent on loan from God. Limbaugh's syndicated radio show became one of the most highly rated programs in the country, 
Those sharing Limbaugh's conservative views were affectionately called ditto heads. He would soon go from being an everyday entertainer to a formidable force in American politics. I'm dangerous because I am right as incorrect, and I'm having a good time being right. His huge success on radio led to a TV show and seven books, his first titled The Way Things Ought to Be. All right, so that's the first part of Trace's telling. I'm going to go ahead and listen to the rest of it before I just tell you some of my personal experiences that I thought you might appreciate hearing. So let's listen to Trace because I want you to have a really good grasp on Russia's bio. Here it is. In 1995, he made the cover of Time magazine. Then in 2001, Limbaugh shocked listeners, telling them he was almost deaf. If I take uh, the right side hearing aid out, I do not hear a single thing. A cochlear implant helped to restore his hearing. Two years later, another unexpected announcement. You know that I have uh, always tried to be honest with you. Limbaugh admitted he was addicted to painkillers, which he was taking for back pain. Immediately following this broadcast, I will check myself into a treatment center for the next 30 days. Limbaugh was later charged with prescription fraud, but made a deal with prosecutors that spared him a trial. In 2009, Limbaugh also attracted attention not for what he said, but because of the way he looked, losing 90 pounds in less than six months. Then in February 2020, Limbaugh revealed that he was fighting advanced lung cancer. I thought about trying to do this without anybody knowing, because I don't like making things about me. But there are going to be days that I'm not going to be able to be here. Limbaugh had publicly said he started smoking cigarettes as a teenager, but said he quit by the early 80s. Still, he was often photographed smoking a cigar and even questioned the link between smoking and cancer. They say our government, one puff from one cigarette can kill you. If this is true, they should make a scary movie out of this. Limbaugh never had children, but was married four times. Perhaps his greatest lifelong love was radio. A longtime personal friend of President Trump's, there was this State of the Union first. I am proud to announce tonight that you will be receiving our country's highest civilian honor, the Presidential Medal of Freedom. The president acknowledging the radio host for inspiring millions of people a day. I'm grateful for, for everything that happened. There's so much to be thankful for, especially when right in front of you is the prospect of it being taken away. And it just amps up the appreciation for all of the goodness that you have in your life. One thing both detractors and ditto heads can agree upon, Rush Limbaugh, the man who once claimed to have talent on loan from God, change broadcasting in America forever. All right, uh, Trace Gallagher, I thought that was a great report. But I have to say that that certainly is the public accolades, or the public things that people know about him. But I, I yes, he was bombastic, no, no question about it. He was entertaining. You know, when he came, uh, when he came upon the scene uh, doing political commentary, um, news at that time, well, it was, in tra- it was in transition, shall we say, because when I was younger, news was just straight news. There was no laughter in news. And then uh, big media companies 
started like put that's when they started putting beautiful women as anchors because they were trying to like increase viewer uh viewership and then they started you know making the coverage sometimes silly they would talk about things that really did not qualify as a national news broadcast because more news broadcasts were morphing into entertainment and it was very controversial in the news industry industry at the time and rush developed an a complete different art form where he talked about all the serious news of the day everything that was happening uh, with 3 hours he ta- he was able to cover you know lots of things every day but he did it with humor there was a mixture it brought people in he used all of these you know these uh, pieces i always think it's like uh, the, if you think of the Saturday Night Live skits where they make up fun, you know, of any presidents, whether it's Bill Clinton or, you know, Barack Obama, well, they didn't do much of that, uh, or George W. Bush, or go on and on, you know, they have all these skits and they're really funny. Well, that's what Rush did on the radio with great imitations. And he, he really, uh, you could not help but laugh. You know, he managed to find the nut of the, the flaw uh, and usually it was in policy of these characters and developed them, and it was just hilarious, and it was not wasted. It was teaching in the process. Uh, Rush was not a silly, you know, if you'd listen to that by you, think, well, he's a college dropout, he was a DJ, you know, what how, what qualifies him? Well, Rush uh, grew up in a family. His day, he was Rush Limbaugh III. His father was a well-known attorney, and I think Rush was kind of the, well, I, maybe this is an overstatement, but kind of the black sheep, kind of a disappointment. Uh, because he just couldn't, he sort of didn't fit in. And I think, uh, personally, my analysis of that is as he was like, he's brilliant, he was brilliant. He was like Albert Einstein and other uh, Thomas Edison who could not maybe function in the normal structure of things. And uh, and yet he had a brilliant mind. That's what made him so great. I'm telling you, I do talk radio. I did three hours a day for years in Chicago. It's, well, besides being a ton of work, you have to know a lot of stuff. And you have to be able to put that stuff together in a way that makes sense. And it's not easy to do. And I was always um, amazed. You know, I personally, on my private life, uh, I know this may sound strange, but I'm honestly not a big talker. If I believe in something, um, you know, I'm, I, you know, double it. I can talk about it and I'm happy to have good conversation, but you will never capture, you'll never catch me, you know, doing all the talking in any conversation or at a table. Um, and unless I really feel strongly about something, and then I will speak up. But Rush was that guy, and I've never met anyone like him, that guy that was the one who talked constantly in the room uh, for three hours, and you didn't want him to stop? I mean, just think about that. Who do you know like that? Uh, lots of people have lots of words, but you wish they'd be quiet, or they'd be use their words more carefully, or use you know put them together more intelligently. Not Rush. It was clear. Uh, it was uh, compelling, and for three hours he had words. He had profound words. He didn't ever run out of thoughts that were profound. And, you know, he was raised in a, a Christian family. I'm going to get into that in just a second. I have so much more to say. I have to sp- speed up here a little bit. You know, uh, he's known to have a very big ego because of that. You know, he always said, with talent on loan from God. And people thought that was very boastful, but actually it was a shtick. Uh, he chose to deliver a phrase that was actually profoundly true, true of all of us, that if whatever talent we have is on loan from God, a gift from God. But he had a voice. He used his, you know, his God-like voice to say it, so people thought that he was boasting, but he really wasn't. He was, saying, he was just expressing the real order of things. It was from God. 
And um, what you could actually see his humility when he interacted with guests. That's the one thing that struck me early on. I thought, all right, let's listen to this because he did sound, you know, a lot of the, his shticks sound very boastful. But when he interacted with people, he was actually very humble and de- deferential. And I thought that was the real test of who he was as a man. The rest of it was shtick. Um, uh, you know, okay, I have to hurry here. I want to, okay, I, I got a private personal story. Uh, when I intersected with Rush, I, had, I never actually met him in person. I never did. Uh, the way I intersected with him, which was not in person, was when I was president of CWA and I was on Crossfire one night when it was live at George Washington University. And I was on with James Carville. <laughs> this was right after 9 11. Uh, and the the, uh, the uh, topic was uh, the introduction of Islam and sort of, you may not remember, but I surely do, that almost immediately they started telling Americans and teaching in schools that, oh, no, 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 don't say anything bad about, no, 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 don't, don't say anything bad about Islam or about um, the Muslim faith. Don't, oh, no, no, don't do that, you know, just immediately. It was a whole campaign, and that's what I was on to talk about. And so uh, as I said what I said, I had debated with James Carville before, and he's like, my mother always said, <laughs> like arguing with a circle saw, where the arguments and the lies really just keep coming, and you've got like, he said five lies, and you're supposed to respond, and you have to figure out, you don't have time uh, to correct all the record on everything. So I had to learn how to deal with him, and in this particular exchange, he stood up and started screaming at me and cursing. He actually said on live television, GD, and he was salivating. You could see the saliva. And I just looked at him. I said, James, I handed him a cup. I said, you're dripping. You're drooling. And then he really lost it. Oh my gosh, he really lost it on live television. And so the next day when I came into work, uh, I had a like a little hand, hand painted girl on my door and it said CWA babe. And my staff was laughing because Rush Limbaugh had played that clip over and over again, calling me the CWA babe. And we had a lot of fun with that. By the way, his brother became a very good friend of mine. He became my agent. He represented me to Fox News and that's how I got hired there. David is a very strong Christian and I wanted to say more about this, but could I just say that one of the things that happened with Rush is in his final weeks and months of life, He really, really confessed Jesus on the air. He talked about his faith, and he gave him the glory, and it was really something. And oh my goodness, will he be missed. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. So there's this guy, and his name is Jose, and he's healthy, he's got a happy family, he's busy running his own payroll company in Texas goes to the doctor and gets news you never want to hear, cancer. And here's the thing. He had switched from medical insurance to MediShare, which is a Christian healthcare sharing ministry. So the question for Jose and his wife Estrella was, is this really going to work? Especially after they got hit with an $85,000 bill. That bill was paid so fast that it was amazing. We didn't have to worry. They paid right away. All his doctor visits... It was just amazing. So yes, MediShare works. And a typical family saves $500 a month when they switch to MediShare. But it's not just about the money. Just to have believers knowing that they're praying for you, you know, you it just it melted your heart. And I tell you, I, I have nothing, nothing but great things to say about MediShare. Why wait? You can call now, 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. This is Pause to Pray. 
a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Susan Orsega, Acting Surgeon General of the United States. She serves as our nation's doctor, working to provide Americans with the best scientific information to improve their health and reduce the risk of illness and injury. Jeremiah 33, 6 reminds us of God's blessings of good health. Behold, I will bring to it health and healing, and I will heal them and reveal to them abundance of prosperity and security. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask you to guide Susan Orsega in her role as Surgeon General. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team. Get your 2021 prayer journal to help guide you through the year in prayer. Available now at pausetopray.org. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes with news and commentary next. We invite you to visit Liberty University. Whether you want to explore for a few hours or for a few days, you'll find a visiting opportunity to fit your schedule. Plan a visit to our Central Virginia campus and stay for an afternoon, a day, or an entire weekend. Or check out campus landmarks from the comfort of your home through our virtual experience. Plan your perfect visit by texting VISIT to 49596. Again, that's VISIT to 49596. North Dakota lawmakers are taking steps to protect biological girls who are student athletes. The state's House of Representatives passed a bill banning students from participating on sports teams based on their preferred gender identity. In other words, a 6-foot, 4-inch, 240-pound boy who thinks he's a girl would not be able to play on the girls' basketball team. State Senator Kathy Scrotch says someone has to protect the integrity of female sports, maintaining a level playing field. But critics say the legislation will hurt the transgender community, men who think they are women and vice versa. At least 12 other states are considering similar legislation. Biological girls fear they will miss out on scholarships to bigger, stronger boys. The idea that there's no difference between boys and girls flies in the face of science and common sense. Be sure to download my free podcast. Read more about this story at ToddStarns.com. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. One other thing about Rush, Sandy Rios back with you, is I just thought his courage, oh my goodness. You know, he was on the air just maybe two weeks ago, um, just doing the show uh, as much as he could and as often, up until he breathed this last breath. And, uh, you know, he's a multi-multi-millionaire. He didn't have to do that, uh, but he deeply cared about the country and... Um, you can't even imagine. I don't know personally, but I can only imagine uh, the 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 difficulty of going through chemo and radiation and all those powerful treatments he had, and trying to maintain his knowledge of the news and go on the air. And yet he he did that. I, it just was amazing. And so and again he professed his faith so clearly. I always felt that rush um, personally. This is my personal assessment. I don't know. Haven't asked, you know, cause just because I know David doesn't mean that we've had a conversation about this. But I always felt that Rush was such a strong personality and kind of wanted to do things his way that he knew about Jesus, no question about it. He grew up listening, and he respected and loved his brother. They were very close, very hard on David uh, to lose his brother. Uh, that he Rush was very good to David's kids, and you know it's just a close family. But Rush knew. I mean, David is a profound Christian who's written all these great books. I've interviewed him on most of them. And um, 
I just think uh, there was that uh, diagnosis and all that went through his head really caused him to seriously embrace and then publicly declare. And I thought that was pretty amazing. If you missed it, I, I just wanted you to know about that. So that's Rush Limbaugh. And I know that many of you, that's part of your daily routine. Uh, is listening to him and that you, you know, you've looked to him for encouragement and for uh, discernment about what's happening in the world. And he real truly, he really, you know, he was like a, a moment in time. Uh, people are, you know, they say people can be replaced and it's true. None of us are irreplaceable. And yet some of us really do make our mark. And uh, for, de- for decades, maybe generations, no one else makes their mark quite that way. So I think Russia is one of those people. All right, I just want to say a few things about news. Then I want to go to email and Facebook because I've got some great comments from you guys. And uh, then we're going to open the phone lines in the last segment. Okay, so that's the lay of the land here. I want to just say a word to our friends in Texas who are so suffering uh, from not having, you know, a, a power freezing. They're just so cold. I heard this morning that some are putting uh, snow in the bathtub to melt so they have water to drink. You know, and the nursing homes are in such, uh, it's it's so such a problem that they're, many people are running low on oxygen, people that need it. Uh, also, people that just can't stay warm in these nursing homes, people in their homes trying to get food. I mean, it really is a serious situation, and I have not mentioned it this week because, you know, I just I can't get to everything, and this is not a small thing. I know, know lots of you are listening from Texas, and I want you to know that we do absolutely care about what happens to you. We'll, we'll analyze what happened there later. We were I was going to do that early in, earlier in the week when Rick Perry was interviewed. You know, there are accusations about the windmill mills that have frozen up. I've heard other people say that the other forms of power, the buttons and all that froze on them too. And so um, this is just, um, you know, it just kind of does it not show you how dependent we are on uh, on energy uh, to survive in various uh, climates. Uh, if you are in Arizona or Florida, you will, you know, just you'll be miserable in the summer. If you have nothing, if you have no air conditioning, you can't hardly live there especially in Arizona and parts of Texas, we depend on energy to make, that's part of what civilization has given us and that we should be very grateful for. And I bet that people of Texas are very grateful for what they don't have right now. And at some point we will, God willing, we'll talk more about that as analysis of the green energy plans and what that means. Because what they have in mind, Barack Obama was very clear about it. He was mocking when he said that you shouldn't be able to keep your thermostats, you know, at the same all year long. I mean, like, who do you think you are? Uh, and under our plan, our, our energy costs will uh, likely, they will skyrocket. Uh, and he said that with a straight face and people that, yeah, yeah, that's great. Well, this is, this is an example of what's going to happen when we can't get energy. And so you just need to remember that when the whole nonsense of the, the green energy bill comes up. All right, so I want to tell you that um, Doug Schoen, who was the president's attorney, one of them, has been... Uh, I'll just read it from his words. I was hoping to teach a civil rights course at a law school in the fall. We've been in talks about it, kind of planning it out. I wrote to them and I said, I want, you know, I'm going to be representing Donald Trump in the impeachment case. I don't know if that impacts your decision. They basically came back and said, yes, it does, and you're off the list. He said, that was sad for me because I really want to go more and more into teaching. I like doing that. Um, he also, he does, he's a civil rights attorney. He's actually won awards for his work in civil rights he talked about how his kids were part of writing his speech. He has teenage kids, fifteen to, well, kids 15 to 25. And it was his daughter who suggested that he use a poem by Longfellow, uh, which um, it's a quote from Abraham Lincoln, too. Uh, it's just amazing um, 
what a man. You know, he's the guy that, um, as an Orthodox Jew, and uh, really a faithful uh, Jew. And so he's a man of character and righteousness, you know. Um, so anyway, he's lost that, and he's been kind of canceled once again, along with the others that were helping President John. John Eastman comes to mind. And also the other attorney, uh, he's got a Dutch name, Vander something, Van, find it in just a second. You know that his house was uh, targeted. He's had to move his family out, uh, Michael Vanderveen. Uh, and so it just keeps keeps going, you know, this uh, ridiculous targeting industry. It's not ridiculous, dangerous. Uh, and we're going to have a longer discussion, by the way, uh, tomorrow on that subject about what is happening in our nation that people like this should be targeted uh, and what the plans are of the left for all of us. And it uh, it will be chilling, but you need to know. And so we'll be talking about that tomorrow. Um, all right, one more quick thing. Mark Zuckerberg now has um, is giving millions of dollars to saturate all 67 Florida counties with private money before the Florida 2022 election. Because Florida, you see, must be changed. Ron DeSantis, I'm sure, is at the part of the target. Mark Zuckerberg of Facebook fame, who, you know, doesn't really have a political opinion, so he tried to lead us to believe, and yet we know that's just not true. And we will revisit that. You know that we will. Okay, I want to get into uh, your... You've, I've gotten so many good email on Facebook. It's going to be a challenge for me to, um, to, uh, to, to, you know, to weed through this and read the ones that I want you to hear in this moment. This is from John. We talked last week a lot about the January sixth, um, the Capitol incursion, and this is from John. He said, "I I was there promoting uh, with uh, make make America godly again flags." And he said, I was in the crowd like a sardine during Trump's speech, and I was at the Capitol, and I watched the flashbangs. People hung a curtain, hung a certain very large flag, and security tear-gassed them, but they hung the flag anyway. The Dems invited people in, then corralled them. There were steps provided over the lawn wall, but then later removed on the high side to prevent people leaving. The whole of D.C., in the whole of D.C., every other house has a Black Lives Matter sign. I know that that's true. I know that that's true. And before that, there were other signs similar. It's not the D.C. it used to be. An unarmed veteran woman, uh, so I'm not going to go into that part. He says, cars and vans were parked within 200 feet of the stairs. Who allowed that? And he's right about that. Do you remember in airports after 9-11 that cars weren't even allowed to stop in front because they were afraid of car bombs? So who did allow that? Uh, He said 106.5 acres of people crammed into a national monument, probably 2.6 million people, like sardines. I was there from January 5th to January 7th. I know it was a setup. We know it was a setup. Invite them in, then incite incite within, and then blame it all on Trump so we can impeach him. Yeah, and then go after his uh, supporters. That's from John. John, thank you. Yep, Uh, I appreciate you taking the time to tell us what your perspective is since you were there. This is uh, from Barb. She said, why was there only one Capitol Police officer standing six feet away by a hallway armed only with handheld spray with no one else in the whole lobby area area when the first members of Antifa finally broke through the windows and then opened the doors for the rest of black-dressed backpacking non-Trumpers came in? How long did it take them to bang and bang and bang? None of the other police in this inside heard while Trump was still speaking. And then she said, people have to think. And uh, good good comments, Barb. Very good thing to bring up. Like, how in the world could they bang on those doors and not be stopped? 
I can't answer that. Well, I guess I, we can speculate, can't we, that that's why the impeachment trial ended quickly when the Republicans or the president's attorneys uh, said they would call Nancy Pelosi and the head of Capitol Police and Muriel Bowser to find out, you know, what happened that day? Why did uh, you not employ the National Guard when President Trump Trump authored, authorized 10,000 of them? Why didn't you do that? Uh, why did you not help the Capitol Police when they begged for backup? Why were they so unprepared and disarmed? Okay, so, but they never got to ask those questions because suddenly, oops, uh, they decided not to uh, pursue witnesses and and uh, the vote was taken. All right, so this is from Barbara, and she has a good point too. She said, um, about that, and she puts in quotes, insurrection on January 6th, how did it end? Did the Capitol Police finally muster enough staff, wits, and firepower to run all the unruly mob out of the White House? I haven't heard about the smoke and tear gas or gunshots that it surely would have taken to disband such a crowd. Is it possible that those people with such ill intent on their minds just simply walked out of the building? Was no one handcuffed or arrested? If so, could that really be defined as an unruly insurrection mob? Just what did the security staff of our nation's capital do besides stand and watch? That's, those are excellent questions and ones that will linger and probably re- be rediscussed as they do this commission that they're going to do to discover what happened on January the uh, 6th. All right, so this, okay, this I want to read. This is from Charles. It's sort of connected to that. He basically is saying, he said, I, I listen each morning, and he talks about kind of the futility of uh, of going out, you know, contacting your senators, contacting your congressman. He said there's probably no re- real reason to call, email, or write out congressmen and women and senators. The majority or have or are or have been bought out by money powers that be. Uh, the generations that might organize and do something would be the Vietnam vets, Desert Storm, Desert Shield, so forth and so on. He said we, you'd have to fight, you'd have to organize to fight. And um, he then says... His conclusion is that what we as believers in Jesus Christ need to do is threefold. We need to maintain our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and his Father, the one true God. He still sits on the throne. He still has a pulse on everything that has, is, and that will go on, and the rest of the world will one day bow down to him. Two, we must maintain hope in God, Jesus, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Hope that all that he has said in his written word is true. Uh, and I'll just interrupt and make that short to say, yes, Charles, it is true, <laughs> and you know it. So uh, we don't have to hope that it's true. It is true. And uh, I think just the fact that the way things are unfolding proves that it's true. I'm just, that's a slight tweak on what you're saying. And then the third thing he says, um, we must maintain love. Love not only for the Lord in our hearts, but love for our spouses, children, neighbors, friends, and yes, even our enemies. The world we know will know us by our love for one another. And that goes way beyond the four walls of our church houses. Our people, the body of Christ, are so into the world and worldly things that we fight among ourselves. We bicker among denominations and hate, yes, hate because of simple peripheral differences that are so far removed from the things we should be in unity over that we probably couldn't have a decent worship service together even if Jesus walked into the room. Uh, she, he said, I don't have a problem writing my own senators to congressmen, uh, but I'd rather pray for God's guidance and be patient on him to respond before I could fully and honestly count on anyone in Washington. Uh, just know that some of us continue to listen and be informed, but our eyes are not fixed on Washington or this world, but are anxiously waiting for the day the skies scroll back and his 
I'm not sure about this word, parousia, I've never heard it, parousia, shines brightly upon the world. It's God blessings to you and your family, and that's Charles from Oklahoma. Charles, thank you. I guess, um, yes, absolutely, all of that. I thought I had said that, but maybe not nearly as eloquent as you. I've told you for a long time that when I thought the political system was not something that would, could be, that we could work through the political system, I would tell you. I don't think we're there yet, Charles, where there's no work through it. I still think the local governments, uh, counties, states, cities, uh, uh, like Florida, is just flourishing. They're doing very well because they have a great governor. I think that there are still a lot of states that can uh, hold back the tide. There's no reason to try to do that to, to sort of protect your families. So I think in the local arena, we still should help. I also... I've said before, and I'll say again, we have so many wonderful men, not many, but we have many, we have some in the Senate, and we have certainly more than that in the House. And while they're there fighting, uh, I think they need us to have their backs. Like, uh, there are things that you can do, like on this um, uh, HR1, that voting bill, SR1 and HR1, there are 14 Democrats who are in Trump states, Trump-carried districts, who are worried about voting for this horrendous voter bill. And we can do something by contacting them. So I'm just saying there are things we can do, Charles. But yes, ultimately, totally agree. Our, we know now, I think I've said the day after this, the president was uh, defeated, that uh, God has answered us, and the answer is no. And things are changing, and our focus has to change. So I appreciate that email, and I, I agree with you. Um, let me read a few Shorter ones here. This is from Joan. Uh, Joan has a lot of uh, knowledge of history, and she said, America's haters, including globalists, socialists, communists, will continue their work in secret, protected by our government. Past Secretary of the Communist Party of the Soviet Union, Khrushchev, said, we will spit in their face, and they will call it due. And then Chesterton, G.K. Chesterton, she quotes, when man chooses not to believe in God, they do not thereafter believe in nothing. They then become capable of believing in anything. And I thought, this is just great quotes, Joan. Thank you. And then 2 Corinthians 3.17, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. And that's true, isn't it? He gives liberty. God does not force. His way is not to uh, uh, make you comply with rules and whack your knuckles or punish or cancel you if you don't. Uh, His way is through the avenue of love, loving and giving. As an example to us, uh, there will be a reckoning uh, when our lives are over. But in this life, he doesn't force people to serve him or do what's right. Joan, a great observation. And he lets them be free, free to love him or free not to. All right. Oh, man. Oh, man. So many other things. Stay tuned. Sandy Rios in the morning. AFR Talk. Today's culture is opting for entertainment rather than biblical enlightenment. For those who resist that trend, Friends of Israel shows listeners why loving the Jewish people and supporting Israel is important to the Christian faith. Friends of Israel shares biblical truth about Israel and the Messiah and promotes solidarity with the Jewish people. This is Chris Katolka of the Friends of Israel Today radio program heard each weekend on this station, and here's what's happening in Israel. Friends of Israel, Saturday afternoon at 2, here on American Family Radio. On the next Today's Issues. We appreciate hearing from you. You can send us an email at comments at AFR.net. I pastor a small church, so I have to have a full-time job on the side. Uh, When I try to feed the flock, y'all feed me, and I thank God for y'all. If you want to uh, watch the show live, you can go to Facebook or YouTube. Just type in Today's Issues. 
and you can also access the stories that we talk about. Don't miss the next Today's Issues, weekday mornings at 11 Eastern, 10 Central on American Family Radio. The words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, of the priests who were in Anathoth in the land of Benjamin, to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, in the 13th year of his reign. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Jeremiah descended from a priestly lineage in Judah. He grew up in Anathoth, about two to four miles northeast of Jerusalem, where the temple was located. He began ministering prophetically about 627 B.C., during the 13th year of King Josiah's reign. This is about five years before Josiah began Judah's spiritual reformation. It is very likely that Josiah's reformation was influenced by Jeremiah's preaching. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Brian Fisher here with today's Life and Liberty Minute. God commanded Saul to be his agent of justice against the Amalekites. God told him to kill everything that breathed, including the animals and the king. But Saul instead saved the best of the animals with the excuse that they could be offered in sacrifice. He spared the life of the king, one king doing a solid for another in the fraternity of kings. Eventually, God stopped listening to Saul's prayers. In desperation, Saul turned to the occult for answers. The spirit of Samuel told him, that God had shut him out because he had refused to obey him in the case of the Amalekites. The lesson here, partial obedience is disobedience and the consequences can be devastating. Let's stop making excuses and start giving ourselves in complete obedience to God and then we will start hearing from God again. Catch Brian Fisher on Focal Point weekday afternoons at 105 Central on American Family Radio. This is Frank Gaffney with the Secure Freedom Minute. President Joe Biden has given the Chinese Communist Party a free pass to engage in genocide against Muslim Uyghurs and other ethnic minorities in western China. In a recent CNN town hall, he dismissed it as a manifestation of a different, quote, cultural norm, unquote. Genocide would be more accurately described as a CCP norm. Throughout the party's sordid history, that transnational criminal organization has repeatedly engaged in truly systemic racism, industrial-grade oppression, and yes, mass murder. And the present General Secretary Xi Jinping is doing it all again as part of his relentless pursuit of absolute power. Joe Biden's evident acquiescence to the CCP's genocide is morally abominable and strategically ominous. Was he ordered to do it by Xi during their recent two-hour phone call? And what else was said that might similarly have betrayed American interests and values? We have a need to know. This is Frank Gaffney. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Facebook or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. God is a profound factor. Uh, Jesus Christ, a profound factor. I have a personal relationship. I've not talked about it much publicly because I don't proselytize these things. But, um, yeah, I, I, I'm just... Try to give thanks every day for all of the blessings. Yeah. I have had a blessed life. I have, I have had so many great friends. I have and still do. Um, that it's, it's. Um, uh, there's nothing negative for me. There's there's nothing 
nothing that I have deep regrets about because I've been too blessed. All right. So I just wanted you to hear that. And thanks to Devin for finding that. Uh, that's That was the rush in the last uh, months or so before he passed away. And I wanted you to hear it from his own lips. All right. Uh, we are going to open the phone lines. Our phone number is 888-589-8840. Always enjoy hearing from you. Just uh, make sure you've got something interesting to say and that you can get right to it. Can you do that? I know you can. I want to read this from uh, Michael. He said, um, these are just a, this a potpourri of different things. I'm a pharmacist, and I don't want to get this vaccine. I have given literally thousands of vaccines over the course of my career. I feel this vaccine is dangerous, but my job is forcing me to get a shot. Literally, it gets the sh- it. I get the shot or I get out. And given the pharmacist's job market, there are no jobs. I am the sole income earner in my household of five. I have no choice in the matter. I'm scheduled to get it today. This is, of course, a few days ago. Uh, so please pray for me. And, uh, Michael, I'm, you are not alone. I, I just read an article about a, a, a waitress in New York who was fired from her job because she, they were going to force her to take the vaccine. And she said, I, I'm not anti-vaccine. I just I want to have children, and I'm not sure about the effect of this on children. I just like to wait a while until we know more about this. But she lost her job. So we're going to hear more of those stories. I want to, This is from George. Um, he said that <clears throat> after listening to you explain what my wife and I have been hearing in the news, we've decided to cancel our Coles membership. Uh, because, uh, Mike, because They're doing that because Mike Lindell's pillows are no longer available there. Uh, she said we also, he said, we also bought two pillows directly through his website, not the department store. And, um, and so I just wanted to, I think, that's, that, I think we should do that. I agree. Bruce and I plan to do that too. We just haven't yet. Because we've been uh, customers of Colts for really decade, between the two of us, a couple of decades probably, and uh, we're going to stop. We're not doing that anymore. If, they, if uh, Mike Lindell's not good enough for them, his pillows, we're certainly not good enough for them as customers. All right, I'm going to go to the phone lines. I have so many other great comments. I am reading them. I just can't quite cover everything, and I know you know that. Uh, let's go to um, let's go to Josh in Massachusetts. Good morning, Josh. Good morning, Sandy. How are you doing? Very well. How are you? Pretty good. We finally get to talk on the phone instead of just exchanging emails. Oh, this is my Josh. Okay, Josh. Okay, I know you love HR1, right? You're going to tell me that. <laughs> well, I, I, I am curious why you're, why you're opposed to it. And I think there are a couple of things that I think it does, and I'm wondering which, which of those things okay. um, bother you in particular. One, uh, it streamlines voter registration so that if you move from one state to another, you don't have to worry about, like, you know, am I registered here? What do I need to bring to the polls? When, when is early voting open? All that stuff. Um, it restores the protections of the Voting Rights Act. Um, it tries to curb partisan gerrymandering. All those things sort of feel like, right, those things seem like things that would allow people to um, vote more, uh, participate more in our, in our democracy. Yeah, I well, I guess a, I guess probably the big okay. Let me jump in because I think probably the big difference. Of course, Josh, we see everything differently, but on this, uh, what your goal your goal is different than mine. You want as many people voting as possible, and see, I don't feel that way. I want as many eligible voters voting as possible. Uh, the ones that are informed. I'm not so crazy about just vote, just vote. I think people should be informed. Actually, I think there should be a stricter standard. Now you're going to tell me oh, that's why the voting rights bill because they were targeting yes I know that they were targeting uh, some people of color in the South uh, because they couldn't pass the literacy test I'm not talking about that 
I'm talking about basic knowledge of uh, our political system, of issues. And so I'd like to see that. But most of all, I don't want people voting who are not qualified and not citizens and also um, should not be voting. I Like one of the things, there's, look, you can cherry pick, you can find something good in all of these massive bills. So I see a lot of bad things. You see some good things. One of the things I see that I have a big problem with is not verifying signatures and not requiring voter ID and at the same time allowing same-day voting, same-day voter registration and voting. You can't verify, and it creates chaos. I also have a big problem with expanding mail-in voting. I think you should vote in person, person, Josh. You should go in. You should present your ID. Uh, Yes, I live in this precinct. This is me, Josh, and I want to vote, and they give you a ballot, and you do that. Uh, We have a problem when people can just register that day and go in and we don't know who's voting and there's no way to track it. And that's why we had the chaos of 2020. So, all right, you, you fight me now. Let's see, let's hear your comments. And then I got to go to the next call. Okay. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I think the, um, I'll try and be real quick. I think the, um, you know, these protections don't just protect people who are uninformed or not citizens. Like I have friends who are in Dallas who went to vote on the, um, the first day of early voting in Texas back in October. And uh, he's a, she's a vice president at a major corporation. He's a CEO at a foundation. They have three advanced degrees from Harvard between them. They also happen to be black. Um, and so they made sure childcare was lined up. They brought chairs and snacks. They double checked what form of ID they needed. And they still had to stand in line for five hours to vote. My high school classes that I teach checked in with them throughout the day. They got in line when I was teaching my first period. And they were able to vote when I was teaching my sixth period. And I think that if HR1 can help solve that problem of people having to wait hours and hours and hours to vote to make it and are discouraged from voting, even when they're qualified, I think it's worth passing that. Well, Josh, I would say, uh, look, I don't know the details of your friends, and that is dreadful. Uh, that's dreadful. But you surely know, because I know you do, because you're a smart guy, that the reason there were such long lines this time is because they shut down many of the voting, uh, the places where people could vote because of covid uh, so people, you know, they reduced it. People, they were encouraging people to mail in their ballots. And so people that wanted to vote in person were disadvantaged. So there's a reason. I, I just, I look, I'm, I'm sorry. I do not think there may be pockets in this country, but I can't imagine that any black person is not able to vote as well as any other color of person with an ID and uh, being a citizen. I just don't see that happening anywhere. So if the inference is that, you know, they weren't, because they were black, they had to stand in line and they didn't want it to stop them from voting. I just think that's really distorted. I do. I mean, I, I've been around the block a few times, and I, I mean, there are, you know, I know people that I don't, it's been a long time, but I have people in my life who are extremely prejudiced, some in my own family. So I'm not stupid about that, but I don't see that happening now. Josh, I am delighted that you called, and I'm sorry we don't have more time, but I do call again, okay? And you got to get meaner because you're meaner to me in your emails. So you got to get meaner with me on the air, okay? Then we'll have a great conversation. That you take care. Okay, you too. Bye bye. Let's um, let's uh, let's go to Cheryl in Kansas. Good morning, Cheryl. Good morning. Uh, I just wanted to share something that gives me hope. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, the the stories of old. The st- one of them was Moses and all the plagues that happened. And, but it never happened to the people in Goshen. And I, that gives me great hope to think that we believers who love him and follow him, we live in Goshen. And to remember that he'll look after us. 
you know, I, that's just a thought I had. And yeah. and also one last thing real quickly, and I'll get off, is they I heard on AFR that uh, in the Bible it says, fear not, 365 times. And I take that to mean once for every day. <laughs> that's good. I like that, Cheryl. I'm going to let you go, and I'm going to respond, okay? But thank you so much for calling. Um, I, I, You know, I think it's unclear. Uh, I don't think we can know for sure what we can claim in this life. Uh, I do un- uh, totally agree that God has told us not to fear, <clears throat> and uh, we should live our lives fearlessly, trusting Him, no matter what happens. I just know that lots of Christians that I have been with in places remote, and, and you've heard me say this so many times, China and North Korea and uh, India and uh, Cambodia and other places, Vietnam that I've been, and Russia, uh, they, they actually did suffer. Um, but I think the principle is in Scripture that we should not fear those that can destroy the body, but those that can destroy the soul. In that regard, you know, they can't touch us. I think of the stoning of Stephen. He was stoned, and he was certainly, he loved Jesus. He just delivered this powerful message, and they hated him, and they stoned him to death. But Stephen was not afraid, and his face shone because he was so filled with the Holy Spirit, and he actually saw, it was like he saw God in heaven, and he was just like detached from those stones. And I honestly think, as mystical as that might sound to some people, I believe that's a place where we all can go, whether it's losing our jobs or hunger, whatever comes our way. So I don't know that God will spare us from difficulty. I don't. I kind of don't think he will. Some of us will be and some won't. Uh, most of the disciples died terrible deaths. One did not. He died peacefully. So I don't think we can know what our future is, but we are to be fearless and to trust him, and I guarantee you, God will pour out his spirit and his power on people that trust him like that, and you won't be afraid. All right, I, I have, there's more to say about that, but I need to move on. Let's go to Richard in Louisiana. Louisiana. Hi, Richard. How are you? Hey, fine, Sandy. How are you doing this morning? Uh, very well, thank you. My voice is a little weird right now, but I'm good. Thank you. Thanks, Richard. So what's That's your okay. comment? I'll, I'll stick with your weird voice. Yeah, we're good. <laughs> I'm just calling about Josh. Josh that called just now. Yeah. Uh, he's, talking about the, he's talking about the black couple that had to stand in line for like five hours to vote. And, and so first of all, I don't know why he had to mention they were black, because that doesn't mean anything. They're human beings. I don't care what color they are. But but he mentioned that they had, uh, I think, three Harvard degrees or something like that between the two of them. And uh, I don't know, man. I just There's so many people that think, uh, you know, if you've got college degrees behind your name, that just kind of makes you a little bit better than everybody else. What about, what about the, the person that was sitting in front of them that maybe graduated from high school and that's it? Does, uh, is it okay for him to stand in line for five hours and wait? And the two people with, uh, with all of the education behind them, they shouldn't have to wait. I mean, I've got nine years of college post high school. I've got a, I've got a doctorate degree. If I was standing in that line, I had to stand for five hours. I would be like, Hey man, this is the price I got to pay for my right as an American citizen to be able to cast my vote. I'm going to wait here just like everybody else. I don't care who's got tons of schooling or maybe somebody didn't even finish the third grade. We're still all human beings. We're on an equal playing field. I'm not better than them. I'll wait with the rest of them. Oh, Richard, let me just, thanks. Very, very well said. And uh, I'm going to let you go also and then respond, okay? 
Uh, I, I would just say, well, well, Josh and I go back and forth. He he sends me email, and and he is a he is very much on the left, but he listens, and he's very respectful. He's a teacher, uh, and I mean, he doesn't listen. He doesn't change his mind, but he listens uh, to my. Uh, uh, he listens to the show, and he listens, and I, I I respect him for that, and I appreciate the back and forth. Uh, but he has a different worldview, and what you're just expressing, Richard, is the Christian worldview, uh, truly that in Christ there's neither male nor female. Bond nor free, that means slave or free, uh, black or white, Scythian or Greek, was it Greek or what I forgot the words, Greek or Scythian, I think is the old, the Greek words. Uh, but it, it, it's that we, God does not have regard for that. It's people who have regard for uh, degrees and looks and beauty and power. It's not God's economy that we do that. And you're expressing that, Richard. And our government actually has been based on those kinds of principles, equal protection, equal justice. We haven't always done that. And uh, that's Josh is stuck in that, and a lot of people are. But that's our goal, and that is our, our, uh, that is our goal, that we are completely blind. Lady Justice is blind, and that the law is applied equally to everyone, regardless of their status, it wasn't that way in England. It wasn't that way in Europe. But it was this way when our country was established. That was the goal. And it was based on the Christian principle that God is no respecter of persons and neither should we be. Okay, I'm going to move on quickly to go to... Uh... Ew, now I can't. I'm so sorry, you guys. I'm sorry. But boy, were those great comments. And uh, uh, Josh, it's very nice to hear from you. I'm, You know, I was in radio in Chicago. I've told you a million times, all of you. I uh, had a very broad audience, very secular audience, and we had great conversations. I welcome opposition. If you have an opposite view or you're mad at me or angry, and some of you did an email I wanted to get to today and I didn't have a chance, uh, I welcome that because I think that helps us to think more clearly, doesn't it? Can we not, um, can we not learn to uh, kind of examine our own positions on things to see if we're right? I challenge all of us to do that. That's what I challenge myself to do all the time. And uh, so I appreciate Josh calling, and I appreciate your comments. Always the best. Thank you so much. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.